So Kobe Bryant, right? Kobe Bryant's not Kobe Bryant by being balanced. Like that guy, through his basketball career, he was not balanced. And he, he has a whole speech on this. Um, you're never the, at a high level like he was, like Michael Jordan was, like these guys are, and be balanced. Derek, welcome to the podcast, man. How you doing, brother? Dude, excited to be here. I uh, was just on with Joe Jensen with the uh, real estate school, and it's, I was telling him, I was like, it's funny, man. Since I've started my podcast, I've only been on like one or two, <laughs> and I was on like, <laughs> I think I was on two before I ever started mine, and so. Uh, oh, for real? <laughs> like, like I was telling you before we started, I was like, just waiting for the invite, man. Let's get it going. <laughs> Once you host your own, man, you no longer become a, a favored guest anymore, I guess. That's just how it goes. <laughs> oh, man. But I, I seriously appreciate you coming on, man. I'm super excited to, to jam with you. Um, yeah, we were jamming uh, for a minute before we actually hopped on. And it, we even talked about it. Like, we could we could talk for hours and just, you mm -hmm. know, just it's it's so easy to talk to you. So I'm excited to dive in a little bit more to what you've built, more into your backstory. But just kind of an introduction for uh, some of the people listening um, I loved your your bio that you kind of sent me back where it was just like <laughs> husband, father, man, right? And that that, that describes you pretty well. So <laughs> Well, I'm just like, what but, else uh, matters, dude? That's kind of what I was thinking when you put that. I was like, you know, what's important to me really? Like, what do I want people to know about me? And that's that's all I could come up with. So <laughs> that's good, man. Hey, if that's the kind of legacy that you wanna wanna leave, man, I think you're on the right track. So that's awesome. Uh, but yeah, I mean, the way that we've come to know each other, um, so a lot of people know that like my day-to-day -day is is real estate investing school, um, which is a, a school program uh, for new and existing real estate investors, and it's all focused on education, accountability, coaching, and results, right? So we help people achieve financial freedom through investing in real estate. And we kind of came to know each other because you ended up signing up for the school. I helped kind of onboard you, get y'all integrated into it. And then you asked me to be on your podcast, the Derek Lake podcast. Um, we'll make sure to link that down in the description below and the show notes below. So make sure to check out Derek's podcast. Um, but that was was cool for me. I, I hadn't been on too many podcasts beforehand. Obviously, people are using ask, asking my buddy who's like the real estate investor who's crushing it to go be on podcasts. I'm just the dude behind the scenes. So it was cool to, <laughs> to kind of get on there and, and talk about some of my experience and, and stuff that I'm passionate about. So but you got the podcast and that's not even like that's its own full time thing in of itself. I mean, you have how many episodes do you have right now? Um, we're at like we're over 110, um, maybe okay. like 14. And then how long have you been doing that for? Uh, so we've done it um, every week. So the first year, we didn't miss a week. Um, we went every week for the first year. And then we had, I think I was sick. And it was like a, we were supposed to record a Friday. And we uh, our episodes come out on Saturday. So I was sick on a Friday, and we just didn't have time to get one in. And then we had a Thanksgiving that I just told Mallory, like, hey, don't worry about it. I got a bunch of family in town. and. So we've missed two weeks in over uh, almost two and a half years. So damn, that's wild, man. I mean, that's quite the achievement in itself, dude. That's that's freaking sick. So um, you know, I've had yeah, that so conversation. Let me get your input on it because I've had that conversation yeah. with people that are like, dude, it's so cool. Like when I hit a hundred, people were like, mm -hmm. oh, milestone, dude. And I'm like, it like what's like what is the like what's that you've made it? You know. <laughs> so like I look at the yeah, I look at it and I'm like, dude, I love the. I love the podcast and I'll touch on too, where you said it's kind of a full-time thing. Um, I love plugging blue form media. Uh, so Mallory and Blake, they're my producers. I mean, I, I go in like it is a It's a commitment once a week for sure, but I go in one time a week, um, sit down with the guest for, you know, two hours and, and they take everything from there. Um, so if anyone is looking for that, I like to plug them all the time. Look up blue form media they've done mine from day one. Sorry, I didn't mean to hijack yeah, you right there. No, that's great, dude. I I mean, I got the chance to meet them and, and do some stuff with them. I even helped out um, once or twice as as kind of a guest host for your podcast when you weren't able to. And, and that was such a cool experience. Um, but Blue Form Media, Mallory and their team are just incredible. They, they absolutely crush it and they take so much 
so much like care and passion and, and ownership over, you know, how well they produce the podcast. It's not just like a, all right, Hey, here you go. Like, you know, here's some clips from it or, Hey, here's the whole thing. Like whatever, like they just, they're editing their, their clips that they pull from it and, and how serious they take it while they're there, like listening to it. I mean, how many people just do podcast production and, or podcast editing and just send someone like a finished file and they say, all right, Hey, cool. Can you edit this into a podcast? And it's like, are they even listening to the whole thing? Are they whatever? Like, Mallory and their team are in-house listening to it, taking notes, getting those, those mic drop worthy moments. So I, I think they're just incredible. So absolutely like shameless plug for them for sure. Cause they're incredible when you're, when you're a little guy like me, doesn't have the budget like you with, with <laughs> no, things, you know, I just can't, I just can't <laughs> afford those guys just yet. So hey, no, man, you keep working hard. <laughs> I'm trying, man. I'm, I want to be like you when I grow up. So <laughs> Um, that's what I was saying is you have the, the podcast. I mean, that's such a, such a big undertaking to only miss two episodes in or two weeks in, you know, two and a half years is insane. But on top of that, like you own and operate a safe store here in Southern Utah as well. We'll get into that. And then you also have like a day job on top of that as well. Like uh, a, a normal person job, I guess you could say. Right. And I'll let you get into that if you want to as well, but you just have so many things going on. It's like how, how do you have even enough time in the day to make, make all of them happen? Uh, I don't know, man. I, when I first started, even when I started podcasting, I'd have a lot of high level people come on and I'd ask them like, what's the balance to you? Like, how does the balance work? And, um, like my son turns three next month. So when we added the kid into the mix is when I was starting the podcast and, and it's just like, how do you balance all this stuff? And there is no balance, man. Like you got to, you got to understand that there's going to be weeks that you're, you know, I'm more in on the safe store when we have sales going on. And then I'm more on um, our contract mailer outs when usually when I'm just losing uh, people but <laughs> like I do right now. Um, and like I said, do the podcast, I love doing it. And I think I love doing it so much because it brings a lot of value to, you know, my name and the businesses. And I get like, it was never for a personal brand, but that's what it's become. And uh, it's it's really not a ton of my time, to be honest. I mean, I have to fund it, I guess. So I still have to make mm -hmm. the money to pay those guys. I mean, we talk about that in, in even real estate a lot as well, right? But it's really just a life principle. It's like you kind of have those, those three sides of the triangle that you can focus on and you really only need two of them to be successful, right? So right. you can have, you know, you can be like the money like thing, you can be the the hustle time thing, or you can be like the knowledge thing, right? So in this case, it's like, I might not have the time to, to like put forth all like my own editing, all my own production, all my own, whatever. That's like its own full-time, you know, job, but I have enough funds to, to, you know, hire a production company. And I have enough knowledge to know what I want to do with this podcast, how I want to start it, what kind of message I want to produce out there and all that stuff. So I'm going to leverage this other person who's going to put forth the, the time in, podcast production and I'm going to put forth the money and, and the knowledge of actually going and doing it. Right. And, uh, you know, it's been insanely successful. So I think that's awesome, but you're out here on your, your Elon Musk stuff, man, where you got multiple jobs going on and podcasts and all this stuff, dude. But I don't know. I, what do you, what do you think? I, I talked to so many people, this just kind of came to my head and, and we'll jam on this for a second. And then I kind of want to get more into like what you've built your backstory, all that kind of stuff, which is, you know, why sure. a lot of people are here, I'm sure. Um, but I talked to so many people and it's kind of like, uh, I mean, I'll say like lazy, right. But it's like, I have the same amount of time in my day that you have in your day that Elon Musk had in his day. Like every human on earth is, is subject to the same 24 hours in a day. Right. So like when we look at these other people who are crushing it, it's so easy to be like, like, oh man, they got this or that going for them or whatever. But it's like, dude, they have the same amount of time in their day as you do. So like what's different, it, it, I, I personally think it really comes down to like what you're choosing to do with your time, right? Sure. And like what your actual values and vision are, but I, I'm curious your take, like what's, what, what keeps people from, from moving the needle in their lives that way? Yeah, I, I've always enjoyed working, um, as crazy as that sounds, it may or may not make me a psychopath, but. Um, I couldn't wait to get done with school so I could go to work. And then when I started working, um, 
like my first like real job, I guess, would be checker auto parts. I worked there like kind of right out of school and I quickly became a manager. And even when I got done at nine o'clock at night, I was like, okay, I've still got three hours till I go to bed. Like, what can I side hustle for three hours? And it actually took me a while to realize that not everybody was like that. <laughs> and so yeah, first dude, thing when I go talk to people, mentality. yeah, first when I started talking to people, it was cool, man. When you get done at five, you know, when you get home five, five thirty, what do you do until 11? And, and people are in different situations. Um, but that was kind of my mentality going into it is I just, I just enjoyed working. I liked making money and, you know, it's almost a plague for me now because people like people get so passionate about things. I'm always so jealous when someone comes and talks to me and they tell me how passionate they are about this one thing. And, and I'm like, dude, I just like making money. Like I, <laughs> like, like we have our safe store. Right. And, uh, yeah. I mean, I like talking to people. I like selling safes. I like doing all that, but. Yeah, I mean, I'm not super passionate about safes, but I enjoy taking care of customers and making money. Yeah, I was kind of going to ask you there, like, what's been your your motivating factor with with doing all these things? And it sounds like money's been the thing, but even taking a step further from there, like, I don't know, just because I, I know you pretty well, like, I I think that money in of itself is just like a metaphor for you of what that money actually does for you in your life, right? So, like. Is it a freedom thing? Is it a, is it a, like, what, what does that look like for you? Like what, what does the money lead for you? Yeah. Yeah. I, I'll be honest that it's not something I really realized till the last couple of years. Um, really it's a, I, I, I like taking care of people. Like I'm, I'm a giver really at heart. Um, like having employees, like it, it like stresses me out, you know, and, and I've had like family <laughs> members work for me and I've had, because I'm so focused on like, okay, you know, the money I make now is putting food on their tables and the things that I line up. And that's kind of how things have just evolved from one thing to another, to another is I've seen opportunities where I can make money and plug someone in and, the, you know, in turn, they have income from that. Um, but yeah, dude, I, I think that, uh, Freedom, obviously. I mean, that's why I'm not a great employee. Um, I liked having freedom. I questioned authority a lot. And uh, I had one boss that I we really got along great because I could go in his office and close the door and we could hash it out. Um, and then I quickly realized, like, I'm just not a great employee. And uh, whether I thought my way was right or not, you know, I was going to try it. So, <laughs> I love so it. yeah, yeah. I mean, freedom for sure. I, I guess that's what it is. And now having my kid, and I know you're in probably in the same boat now. I don't things have probably changed for you when you had kids, but dude, my whole life is geared to preparing him for life now, you know, in whatever aspect that is, whether it's financially or having relationships or communication or whatever it is. Does yeah, that your I love that, man. Yeah, yeah, definitely. No, I okay. think that's great. And I, <laughs> Yeah, I think that's such a good good point. I so recently and and I'm not sure if you and I have had the chance really to talk about this or whatever. I mean, you knew my mom passed away about three years ago. Um, my dad recently passed away earlier this year. So like we're handling his estate and all that stuff, but it does put so many things into perspective of like I'm so grateful for one, just the upbringing I had from my parents. Like I I mean, I think I turned out okay. <laughs> I'm still obviously learning and making a ton, ton of mistakes, but I think at heart, I, I try to be a good person <laughs> and care about yeah. people. But at the same time, like I'm, I'm very grateful for um, some of the resources and things and and importance my parents put on setting us their kids up for success. Meaning, like you know, taking their finances really seriously and, and having a plan set up when things like this, you know, eventually would happen and, and all that. Right. Um, which even kind of going back to it is that probably not on the same like thought path, but one thing that's been awesome is just me and I'm the youngest of five. So me and my four other siblings, like it says a lot about my parents' upbringing as well, that we all kind of get along and can can handle this like estate and and handling all these different things like together as a as a family and a team, right? I just, I know of so many horror stories where people are like, they just don't get along and so-and-so thinks that they should get X thing or whatever, and it gets kind of messy. So I'm just grateful for uh, 
And, and again, that just speaks to the whole family aspect of it, right? Because now with my kids similar, like I'm thinking of, of his future and how I can set him up for success, how I can set him up to be a, a good person, how I can set him up to, you know, also learn how to like figure things out himself, make mistakes, learn from them, grow all that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, I love that. So I want to, I want to kind of pivot here and, and kind of get into just your, your story a little bit more. So, um, how about we start with, and, and you can kind of take it however you want, but I'd love to start with just kind of defining quickly, like the things that you've built. Right. So in my head, I'm thinking, you know, the podcast, the safe store, um, and, and those kind of things. And we can dive into to how those came to be. Sure. Um, so everything that I do currently right now, we, um, like I said, we have a podcast every week, uh, Southern Utah safe vault is our, our retail store where we, buy or we don't well we do buy every now and then but we sell and deliver and install vault doors and safes and that's like home safes gun safes commercial safes i mean the whole range um i've had some government contracts with the postal service for about 16 well i've owned them for about eight years um i've worked for them for someone else for about 16 years so um, i've done that actually most of my life and uh, we have a business, uh, Overstock Dixie. It's kind of a buy and sell liquidation company. We're actually shutting down right now. So that's taking some weight off of me. I think that's it. I don't know. Sometimes I forget what I have. We have Weapon <laughs> X holsters. All the things going on. <laughs> yeah, we do Weapon oh, X holsters. Oh, that's right. We done, about that. Yeah, custom gun holsters for about 10 years now. Um, and you do still that do that right now, yeah? store. Uh, it's a time thing. Um, sure. I still do it. I just don't do it at the rate I used to. Gotcha. 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 Is that, are you, are you, I mean, this is kind of a general question, but like, do you push any marketing right now to, to any of your businesses? Like, do you, I think you push the marketing to the safe store, but do you mm -hmm. push any marketing towards the holsters or, or anything like that? Um, holsters really, it got put on cruise control, like know, five years ago. Um, gotcha. I was in all the stores. I had the website, I had the social medias, the Instagrams, all that. And it was like more than I could do myself. It was more than I could handle. And mm -hmm. really when I moved into the safe store and we put the holsters in the back of the safe store, the safe store took so much of my time that doing holsters just, it, it was inevitable. It had to get dialed back a little bit. There's your balance, oh, right? Okay. Yeah, absolutely. That was kind of another thing that I wanted to wanted to even jam about a little bit. Um, it, you kind of reminded me cause you were talking about balance earlier on. I've kind of like redefined my definition of balance a little bit. So humor me for a second. Cause I want to sure. kind of share it, but I, I saw this clip where, where someone just said like balance in of itself doesn't exist. Right. Yeah. Um, it, it's not a thing. Like there's no way, like in any given moment. And I think that's what we have a bad definition of is like in any given moment of, of time, you can't be, be balanced among anything, right? The way that you achieve, in my opinion, actual balance is over a set period of time. So like you can either analyze a week or a month or a quarter or a year and say, was I balanced during those times? But the way to achieve that actual balance is to be present in the moments of time that you're present in and then be able to share that amongst, you know, all the things that you value and hold important. Right. So I, I, I like this exercise called the wheel of life. Have you heard of that before? I've not. So the wheel of life, um, you can search it as well. Just type in wheel of life or, or whatever on Google and, and it'll pop up. But basically in a, in a nutshell, it's, it's like a pie chart looking thing. So it's a circle and you slice it up into, into like a pie chart style thing. And each slice is like a, a value in your life. So like there's, there's love, there's career, there's health, there's personal relationships, there's family, there's finances, there's whatever, right? Like all these things there. And then the circle counts from one to 10 outside. So that's like your levels that you are on each one of those things. So it's kind of cool. It's like a, um, like a, personal inventory like exercise, which I think is awesome. So you would go in and look at that and say, okay, I'm a, you know, six on my, you know, 
like love life style thing, like my relationship with my spouse. I'm a, you know, three on my finance. I'm a one on my health or whatever, right? Like you go through that. Yeah, you're explaining it right now. Yeah. <laughs> really, I'll talk about <laughs> me, but no. Um, but the idea is I the 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 term like balance from that is like if the if the wheel if all the numbers are close to each other enough, then you have a much smoother wheel that could roll a lot better, right? Where you get in trouble and what gets hard, and this might be my personal interpretation of it, and other people might say like, hey, that's not right, or that's not whatever. But you could have people that say, oh, I'm you know, freaking crushing it in my career, and like that's literally what I spend all my time doing, and I'm, I'm so focused on that and whatever, so I'm a 10 on my career right now, but I can't even remember last time I even went on a date night with my wife. Like I'm a two right there. And all of a sudden you create this very jagged wheel that like will not roll at all because it's, it's so out of balance. Right. So I would look at that and say, it's irrational to think that I could be a 10 on every single thing at, at a given moment. That's just lying to myself, <laughs> but I could be like, maybe I, I, if I'm a 10 on my career and a two on my, my relationship or whatever, I can bring that 10 down to a seven and then bring my relationships up to a seven, right? Where I'm taking some of the time and energy and effort that I'm putting towards my career because I really value my relationship with my my wife and I need to improve that. So I'm bringing that up, right? Um, and then that creates a much smoother wheel like I talked about. So um, I think it's a cool way to, I think one of the best ways people who get, get stuck or, or want more in their life or wanna go live a more intentional life or whatever, so many times we get stuck in la la land of like, this is what I want to go achieve, but I don't know how to get there. And I think one of the best places to first start is, is personal inventory. Like, where are you at right now? And what's your, what's your vision? So those are my kind of like two cents, but, but what do you think about balance? I mean, again, in a nutshell, what I mean is it's impossible to balance at any given time. But if I look at that wheel of life, I can see how balanced I am across the things that I value most in my life. Yeah. I, I think the way I look at this, and I think it's a good way to look at it both ways. So let me bear with me, right? So, um, so Kobe Bryant, right? Kobe Bryant's not Kobe Bryant by being balanced. Like that guy, through his basketball career, he was not balanced, and he he has a whole speech on this. Um, you're never the at a high level like he was, like Michael Jordan was, like these guys are, and be balanced. Um, and so I think I've kind of applied that in my life where, man, I was, I was doing 20 hour days for a long time and I was trying to put that time in back then so I could have a little more freedom now. Right. Um, but it's also, you know, you take Kobe and I'll nutshell this, but like you take Kobe and you flip that, like think of everything that he achieved through those years. And then when he finally retires and now it's, it's, you know, girl dad time and now it's family time and now it's and then what happens right and he tragically dies and so i think yeah. like okay so there there still needs to be something there but i think as long as you're trying to be positive and move forward at you know at whatever speed that is for different people i think that's what i think throw balance out the window and i just think you need to try to progress just try to be better you know yeah, whether that's i love that at being a parent or a worker you know um, Justin Prince says, add a zero, add a zero onto your network, like whatever your goal is trying to do. I think that's what we should be shooting for. Yeah. I love that, man. Sounds like you're a Kobe fan. You a Laker fan? Is that what I'm hearing right now? Dude, I'm just a sports fan, dude. I, you know, I, <laughs> oh, I think that's growing too, up that's, in... too po that's too politically correct of an answer, <laughs> man. Come on. I, you know I mean? I grew up watching the jazz growing up in Utah. Right. And, uh, so that just kind of got me into sports. My dad was super into it. He was like the yelling at the TV type of guy. And, you know, I, I have a brother that played really high level sports and um, was all American, everything and everything he played. And so I was always into sports, but I just enjoy being entertained. So like, like I'm not a LeBron fan per se, but when he was with the Heat and Dwayne Wade and like, I enjoyed being entertained. So I would watch the Fun Heat. to watch, man. Yeah, they yeah. were fun to watch for sure. It's okay, man. I'm I'm a Lakers fan, so your secret's safe with me, dude. It's okay. It's all right. Um, have you have you watched The Last Dance on Netflix? Yes, the Michael Jordan documentary. 
Yeah, love it. It's so it's so crazy, right? Because I think what's cool is that it gets into the the hardship and and the and the the like what's the word I'm looking for? Just like the the pain of the fame that comes with like being Michael Jordan and achieving that status level and all that kind of stuff, right? Like everyone wants to go be Michael Jordan or have that kind of reach or have that kind of fame or have that kind of whatever but they don't want to be the guy that needs to stay in their hotel room for 12 hours a day because if they walk outside, then they're getting pushed with the paparazzi and the press and fans and stuff where they can't even breathe. They don't want to be the guy locked up in their hotel room. They don't want to be the guy that, you know, all that kind of stuff, right? Um, Conspiracy theories about your dad when he passes away, like all these things. When you're in the starlight with that kind of stuff, like the, 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 the same, I can't remember who said this, but like, the same, I might've actually heard Justin Prince that you mentioned it, like mention this concept as well, but the same type of like upswing that happens in a positive level, the same opportunity for like a negative downswing to happen. So the higher you get up here, the lower the low can be that actually hits you with it. So if you go do nothing special and take no risk and take no whatever up here, if you stay really close to, to the, to the floor, you're just kind of hover around that between the ups and the lows a lot of time. Right. But a lot of times like the highest swing can lead to the lowest low, which naturally can happen the other way too. Like I've never made crazy huge leaps, I think in my life, like I'm, I've done some interesting things before, but like I went through a huge low of, of both my parents passing away and going through a divorce and all that kind of stuff. But it's how I've overcome those things and, and treated those things and how they've, they've worked for me and not always against me. Right. That has led me to bounce back in a huge way where like I'm married again now and it's absolutely incredible and I'm, I'm loving life and I have such a good co-parenting relationship with with my son's mom and and you know we both want what's what's best for him and all that kind of stuff so it's just how you how you treat those things but you just can't have all the highs without the lows that come from it it just has to happen that way that's that's life the way I've usually talked about that is you got to pencil in losses too. Like you got to be ready for that stuff. Um, so it's kind of the same thing. Like you've got to be ready for the lows. I've been on too many times where I've been so high and you think that you're invincible and then you get punched in the mouth like Mike Tyson, right? Like he talks about. And I don't know, man, I've always just tried to pencil in losses. So I'm somewhat ready for that. Yeah, dude. It sounds like uh, it sounds like you have a pretty high risk tolerance, and it sounds like you kind of been that way for for a long time. But any anything to attribute, like even when you were a kid, like you loved to work, you, you all that kind of stuff, and then you you started multiple businesses around the safe store, around even the podcast, the the um, the oh my gosh, I just like the liquidation <laughs> stuff that you've done, the the holsters that you've done, just like how how have you achieved this risk tolerance or how'd you get there? Yeah, dude, I, growing up, I, I was, we grew up very conservative, conservative values. Dad worked for UPS nine to five. Um, mom did a little bit of, um, traveling sales rep kind. Uh, there were some entrepreneurship sprinkled in there with my mom and my mom's dad's so my grandpa and my older brother, Adam, he kind of, lit the flame for me too. But dude, growing up, I wouldn't say that I was extremely, extremely conservative. You know, I didn't want any black marks on my credit. I wanted to make sure I had my credit card paid off every month. Uh, you know, there was zero risk taking involved, to be honest. And uh, I think I just quickly realized like that's a, uh, in my opinion, that's just a very flat line. I didn't see me getting anywhere again. I, I yeah trying to figure out how to word that. Like, I feel like you have to take a risk to be able to succeed in anything at a large scale. Right. Um, and I've had businesses that failed, you know, I had little side hustles and LLCs and different things that I'd shut down that didn't work out. And I think the first time I shut one down, so I did mobile oil changes. Okay. So like I would drive to your work and I was 18, 19 and um, change your oil in your car. So you didn't have to go to Jiffy Lube. I just do it while you're working. And dude, that went for like six months and I wasn't (laughs) making any money. I didn't, I thought people would be more in on it than they were. Um, but I, I get it now, like this 19 year old kid showing up with a Jack and a socket set from 
Sears, right? <laughs> so like, I and totally like, wait, get you're it gonna, now. You're gonna do you're gonna do what to my car? Yeah, like, do you know what you're what? doing. <laughs> and I'm like, you. I'm like, I, you know, I did a stint at Jiffy Lube. I was the guy changing your oil there, so it's the same thing. I'm just. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I mean, I had stuff funny. fail. I had stuff fail. I, I, but I think after shutting that first one down, I was like, well, that was that wasn't that big of a deal. Like, yeah, you know, it didn't crush me. I didn't have a pride hit. I didn't have any of that stuff. No one judged me. Um, so a lot of that fear kind of went away. Um, I like one other story. I had a friend's uncle. Um, we were, he was telling me now he's like, has a bunch of rentals, you know, uh, does, he has total freedom, does whatever he wants, wants to go on vacation. He leaves. Right. And I was talking to him one day about rental properties when I was, I was in high school and I, and I had the mentality of, yeah, what happens when it floods? What happens when your water heater goes out? What happens when, or what if you can't get a tenant for two or three months and now you can't afford it, right? And he's like, well, then I file bankruptcy and I start again in four years. <laughs> and, and, and like, it's not even like, it's not even like, you know, completely what he said to like, it's not okay to file bankruptcy, but he was just saying like, so what? So in four years you start again. Um so that, that kind of like really shifted me of like, wait, when you're, when you're 14 to 18, four years is a long time, but you know, I'm 34 now. Like I could have started over nine times by now. Yeah, dude, that's such a good, good insight. It's funny. And again, I think we, we just, so many people think in the, in the concepts and ideas of the negative, right. Which makes sense. Like we're just trying to protect ourselves. So I totally get sure. that. But I'll I'll try to encourage a lot of people and say, but what about the upside? Like, what if it worked out better than you could ever imagine? Like, yeah. what, what would that mean to you? Right. And like, just through all the experiences that I had, like life really is just too short to not go, go live a dope life and, and do the things that you want to go do. And I want to be clear. And, and I always kind of, preface this and, and just with little asterisks, right? It's where it's like, I'm not saying everyone needs to go start a business. I'm not saying everyone yeah. needs to go, you know, into debt or get into real estate or whatever, like to make their dream happen. Like, I just think more people need to get really intentional about what they want their life to look like and then go freaking chase that. Right. I think you'll find that like a lot of people might think that they want their life just to be sitting on the couch all day and watching TV. But <laughs> I can, I can say that a lot of people get bored with that extremely quickly, right? People truly want to just be able to have the freedom to do what they want with their time, or they want to make a difference at a company they work at, or they want to have a say in, you know, a decision or a marketing campaign or whatever for the job that they already work at. It's just, they want to make some sort of impact usually with their, with their life, right? And that's totally possible if you start your own business. That's totally possible if you um, work, you know, for a company already. It's just get intentional about what you want your life to look like and then go chase that relentlessly. Yeah, dude, two things I want to touch on with that. It's uh, like an entrepreneur right now is sexy. You know, everyone wants to be an entrepreneur. And I had a conversation with one of my good buddies from high school, and he kind of put this in my head of being an entrepreneur. And he's like, dude, the things that I can do for my boss, who is the entrepreneur, like he can't do for himself. And we've blown up the company because I'm there being an entrepreneur. And, and so, yeah, I mean, there's different options. It's, it's not all about owning your own business and making millions and having rental properties and whatever, you know, whatever your thing is. Um, second thing is like, like you said, you need to decide what that dream life looks like. And I, I think you decide that too. You know, what color your house is painted, you know, what interior your car is, um, you know, where you're, I mean, whatever that is, right? If it's a vacation home, if it's a boat, if it's a, because for someone else, their dream life is going to be, you know, have a house that's paid off and go fishing on Tuesdays, where to someone else, it's have multiple vacation homes in multiple countries, you know, and so it's all scalable to different people. So I think first get intentional of what that dream life looks like and then maybe find a couple people that you can model after. 
Yeah, I love that, man. Get as specific as you can with what your dream life looks like and then find people who are there and just go go try and learn as much as you can from them and replicate the things that they're doing, right? Um, I think they call that, I, I don't know, I call it like the red truck metaphor, right? To where it's like once you buy a red truck, you start seeing red trucks everywhere else on the road. So it's like our brains are really funny to where we can trick them and say, once like I see that red truck on on KSL or on whatever, like whatever website I'm looking on, I find the truck I want to buy and I'm like, oh gosh, I'm going to buy that, right? Like I'm going to buy that next week or whatever. I start seeing those red trucks everywhere before I even buy it, right? And usually we we make that like a negative thing in our brain where it's like, oh man, everyone's doing this. But when it's like your dream life, when you get so specific about what that looks like and you start seeing it everywhere you go, like make it impossible to not go achieve that where you start seeing yeah. people living it and then you can go talk to them about it, ask them questions about it, all that kind of stuff, right? Any uh, any tips to help people? Like you kind of mentioned one of them there as as getting specific, like what color your house is, what car interior you have, whatever, but any other tips of how to help people kind of define their dream life? Um, to define it? Hmm. Or just like you know, create I that vision, right? Yeah, I think that, you know, there's a lot of stuff that goes through my mind when I think about that. I'm not, just in the last two years, I've been a goal person. I've never been like a goal, set goals, right? I'm, I've always just pushed as hard as I can for 20 hours a day. And uh, I had this, the first guy, first time I'd ever really knew what entrepreneurship was, was one of my buddy's dads. And to this day, he owns a pest control company. He actually sprays our house. And uh we used to work for him when I was like 12 or 13 child labor laws. I'm sure all that, was, <laughs> you know, can't get in trouble yeah. for that now. And uh, <laughs> I used to work for him and I used to see him every, when I, I mean, I like would stay there three or four straight nights. Like I would be there all the time. And after dinner, he'd go sit in his little corner desk and make phone calls, you know, for like the next day or the next week and line up sprays. And, uh, I remember I was with them one day and I said, Hey, when you, when you're rich, what, what would be the car you would drive? And this dude had like a, a 92 or a 91, like Toyota T 100 or something. I can't even remember what it was. It was before like Tacomas were even a thing. Like it's that old. And anyway, and we were in that driving to the next job. And he said, what do you mean? He said, I'm in my dream truck right now. And so I think there's, there's two ways to look at that. It's like, to me, I was like, this is your dream truck, but right. like that guy had already made it and was happy with his life. And so this is where I go back to like, it's two different worlds, right? Um, so many people want this, the, the supercar and the mansion and the beach house. And, and dude, this guy's lived a happy life for the last 30 years, <laughs> you know? Um, yeah. so yeah, I, I think that set goals, find people, get very, very specific. And you got to live your life every day as if that's what you're going to achieve. Yeah, I love that. Two, uh, two quick things I want to add there. Um, I love what you said about writing your goals down. Uh, a buddy of mine and, and kind of hit one of his mentors. So Casey Ball was the first guy that I, I heard this from, but he calls it the top 10 and every day he gets in his notebook, he opens up to a blank page and writes top 10 at the top and then numbers it one, two, three, four, five, all the way to 10. And every day he writes the top 10 goals he wants to achieve in the next 12 months. And he writes them down every single day. And like the next day he'll turn the page, start with a blank sheet. And it's like, you don't, don't, don't peek at the one you wrote yesterday, because the idea is you'll start realizing that you're writing a lot of the same ones down like over and over and over again, but some of the other ones might, might change around a little bit. So you start realizing which ones are, are really the most important to you that you want to move the needle on, but it's just writing those down every day. And there's like a, a mind and body connection about actually physically writing it down. Right. So um, I would encourage people to do that. It's, it's an awesome exercise to like, know what your goals are and then have a, a muscle mind connection of writing them down to help you go achieve them and writing them down every day so that you, you see it. Right. The other thing, and, and this is again, another kind of exercise based thing. And, and one thing that I've, I've talked to a few people about, um, 
I would encourage people to just like get a, a calendar, like a week calendar that shows, you know, Sunday through through Saturday or whatever. And it has kind of the the hours or whatever lined out and just take some time, take take an hour or two and write down what your dream life looks like, um, your dream week looks like. And you don't need to get obviously super, super granular, excuse me, but write down like what time you're going to wake up. You know, are you like, then I'm going to write my journal and then I'm going to meditate and then I'm going to take my kids to school and then I'm going to work out. And then right here is where I'm going to work, where I'd start answering emails in my business that I run or whatever. And then here's where I'm going to have lunch with my wife or a business partner or whatever on these days, like plan it out of what you want your dream week to look like. And then ask yourself, okay, what kind of like, do I need to go create a job to do this? Is that my goal? Or are, is there a job or a career or something that fits this kind of lifestyle that I want to live? Like how often are you vacationing per year, per month? Like I talked to someone the other day and he was like, I want to, I want to be a uh, BYU season ticket holder to go to BYU football games. And he's like, and I want to get to a point where I can look at a game that's happening on Saturday and it's an away game. And I can say, I'm going to go to that game because I want to, and I'm going to hop on a plane and go out there. And I'm like, that's freaking sick, dude. Like what, what kind of jobs or careers could you do that can fit that lifestyle? Cause again, I don't think everyone needs to go create a, a job or, or be an entrepreneur or create their own business or whatever. There's ways that you can fit your dream life or excuse me, fit a job or a career into your dream life. But so often we, we flip the script and think, oh, more money is going to make me happy. Once I hit this amount of money, I'll be happy. But if you decide first what a perfect week looks like for you, where you'll be happy and then fit your job and income into that, like how much money do I need to fund that lifestyle and what kind of jobs will support it? Then you've already decided that that life will make you happy, not the amount of money or, or the job that you do living that life was what will make you happy. And, and ultimately I think that's what we're all, all chasing. So, yeah, I think you hit it on the head. So, um, I want to dive in quickly again, kind of into, um, and I just love jam with you too much, man. There's too many golden nuggets that we could, we could talk about. So that's great. But diving into kind of how you just the backstory behind how you built like the safe store, for example. Right. So, um, maybe kind of walk me through like, what year did you start it? Like, why did you decide safes? Um, you know, you can even, if, if you want to get into some numbers, like upfront, did you get a loan, a business loan, all those kind of things? Like, what did that all look like for you? Yeah. So when I started the safe store, I started it with a partner and we pretty much, I was helping him get started. And so I, he was telling me, you know, I want to do this. I don't know how, you know, a, B, C, D, E. And so we went to lunch and I just told him like, Hey dude, you just got, if you're, if you want to, this is how you have to start. You have to go get this. Now you have to get manufacturers. Now you have to get a lease. Now you have to get, and I was kind of just showing him the steps to get lined up to it. And like, I kind of quickly realized that he just had the idea. Um, like he didn't have the finances. He didn't have the risk tolerance. He didn't have the I mean, like he had a credit score that was decent, but it didn't have the, the longevity, you know? And so I, I said, well, dude, I'll tell you what, like, let me help you get started on this. Um, I'll fund it and let's get into it. And we kind of said like, this is your role. This is my role. And, um, you know, sooner or later, you'll just buy me out of it one day. And so I was kind of like the, I was going to be like a silent partner um, funding it getting him the lease, getting him the insurance, getting all that stuff, LLC, set up all of that stuff. And it quickly became like me rehabbing the whole building, me kind of running the store. I was trying to let him do as much as I could, but, and part of that was me. Like I'm, and I told him this, I'm like, dude, I'm very controlling. Like I'm not a great partner because again, back to having a boss, right? Like I, your way, like Kurt, your way might work, but I know mine does. So we're going to do it my way. Like that's, that's always been yeah. my mentality. Like you can ask my wife, I, <laughs> it's the one thing that we disagree about a lot, but, um, <laughs> so we basically like move forward, like long, long, long story short, we didn't see eye to eye on a lot of things. Um, he ended up stepping away from the company. Um, I actually bought him out for a dollar and then 
he moved on. I actually shut the store down because I was currently doing one of those contract post office routes. Um, so like my day would look like I would get up early in the morning, drive out to hurricane hurricane, and then I would sort all the mail and then go deliver all the mail, come back, go to St. George. Um, I would go straight to the store, probably like two, one or two o'clock in the afternoon. And I'd be at the store till six when we closed. And then I would drive home and I would make holsters till 12 or one in the morning. And I mean, this was, this was six days a week. And yeah. so I was kind of like, dude, you gotta, you gotta pick it up. Like you gotta do, I can't be doing all of this. And this was before I had a kid and, you know, had a little more time freedom. And so anyway, he ended up walking. I took over. Um, I negotiated out of the lease that we had and moved everything into a storage room. And we were still like selling stuff, but not a lot. And uh, once I got the con, I have two contract routes. So once I got those hired out and had drivers that were pretty much taking care of them every day, I started thinking like, dude, it's time. It's time to open this back up. So that was 2018 when we started that. Um, did you, uh, sorry to cut you off there. When you, when you did split ways with like your partner at the time, was it just between you guys? Did you have to get any legal stuff involved? Like, were you able to come to an agreement? Like, Hey man, it doesn't, it doesn't look like you want to do this. And he's like, yeah, I don't want to. So I'm going to walk or, or whatever. Like, what did that look like for you? Yeah. So dude, this whole thing was like, we're buddies handshake deal. Um, like I had the LLC set up to where we were. I think so. I told him I would fund it, but I'm going to be at least 51% if I have all my money in and he had nothing in. Yeah. Um, so I was 51%, which I quickly became 75% owner um, because I had you switch that up? Everything. Um, I, we basically just sat down and had a talk one night at the store when we were both there, yeah. store closed. And I just said, Hey, man, like, you know, you basically had these two roles that you were supposed to fulfill. I had these two roles. I'm doing mine and one of yours. So it just kind of makes sense to me that 75%. And I was like, well, what do you think? Like, I'm, this is a conversation. And he's yeah. like, yeah, yeah, dude, I get it. He's like, that's fine with me. I was like, okay. Yeah. I mean, that was really it. Like we wrote a gotcha. piece of paper out and that was it. Um, and then when we, hit split he was actually trying to buy me out for a couple months and oh interesting again, we we kind of like verbally had an agreement of just so it was 20 i put in 20 grand to start and that was basically buying product um so i said dude i just want my 20 grand back and we had a safe that we brought in that was huge and i just thought if we need to turn that safe to get other inventory i'll just buy it and so i had I think I'd ended up putting like 24 grand in um, by the time we opened. But I told him, I just want my 20 grand back and I'll, I want that safe. And I'll just walk away. Like, uh, it's all you. We, dude, we are in the, we are in the black. We are making money. Um, we were starting to get some traction, some foot traffic into the store. People were starting to realize where we were. And uh, he had sent me three offers through an email three different times through a couple months and they were all thousands lower than what 20 grand. And so I kept saying like, no dude, like we already agreed on this. Like this isn't a conversation we've already agreed on it. And after a couple of months, he ended up sending me another email that was like, Hey, I've got a lawyer. Um, I'm wanting to just take my offers off the board and, um, have you buy me out for a dollar. Oh, and, wow. Yeah. So it was, it was kind of, it was a lot of drama and the whole time That's I'm wild. like, I'm like, dude, we're, we're, we're friends. Let's figure this out. Like, so dude, like yeah. to be honest, like I'm usually not super open about all this, but, um, I mean, it was like a hit for me. Like I was like, dude, I don't want this to like dissolve our friendship. And, yeah. and I mean, and it did a hundred percent, like unfollowed on all social media would only email me, wouldn't call me, answer texts, nothing. And, uh, yeah, so a lawyer had drafted up all the documents and I read through it, countered a couple things. They ended up taking over a couple of the bills that I didn't sign up for or agree with. And, uh, I just, 
hundred percent owner. <laughs> that's pretty much Dang, it. that's crazy. I mean, I, first off, man, I appreciate you open up about that stuff that that can be obviously really awkward, but I hope it's helpful for a lot of people listening to, to understand, like, if there's one thing that I, I really take from that, I mean, it, it sucks that that like affected your friendship and, and got to that point. Cause that's, that's not cool. And I'm sure looking back, like, it, I mean, at the end of the day, it sounds like he didn't really want to, to go do this. Like he thought it was a cool idea, but when he had the option to actually be involved and, and be into it, it like wasn't something you wanted to spend time doing or, or whatever. So hindsight's always obviously 2020 there, but if there's one thing that I take from it, it's like there, there is a, is a next step in this. You know what I mean? Like there's a way to, to have the conversation. There's a way to work it out. Like there's a way to figure it. It might not work out the best way that you want, but you can still have control over what you have control over. Like I can choose to, to bring up my concerns and have a conversation. I can choose to, you know, when he's sending me these offers to buy me out, I can choose to say, Hey, I don't agree with these because of what we set up. And yeah, that might be awkward and that might be hard and that might be whatever the first couple of times. But at that point, you'd, you'd start a couple of businesses. You've seen, you know, one or two of them fail or whatever. And you had a little bit of experience that way. So, you know, you understood and had probably a clear vision of like how you wanted something like this to work, um, especially as you got involved with it. So I, I appreciate you open up about that, man. That's tough. Yeah. And so uh, 2019 is rolling around the end of 2019 had every, all the routes taken care of, started thinking, man, this would be cool to open up another store. Um, I've been in retail most of my life. And so like having and running and being in a store, like there, I don't really have a lot of fear there. Um, as far as like the time commitment, I mean, financially it's been a roller coaster, but, uh, I started looking at stores again, like uh, storefronts and, when I found where we're at now over on Sunset Boulevard, I it was out of my price range, like well out of my price range. <laughs> and I was just gonna do like a shooting supply store. So um, everything but guns is what I wanted to do because I didn't want the federal government dealing, you know, be able to roll into my store any day. And, and so I already had safes. So I brought safes in. Um, I partnered up with Dixie Gun and Fish. Um, they had like the rights to champion safes and i said hey man i know you guys have some backstory i've got some or back backstory i know you guys have some back inventory i have back inventory um do you want to just fill the store until i can get other product in and he's like yeah no problem so we ended up you know remodeling some of the store moving in all of the safes and within like two weeks we had sold all but one safe and i didn't even have like our other stuff in there yet and so I called, I called Jake Erickson, who's the owner over there. And I was like, dude, I think we just started a safe store. So, <laughs> so uh, like there, I'm still hundred percent ownership of it. I basically, I guess like I basically buy their inventory from them. So it puts them in a stronger position because they can order a lot more. Um, I have more storage space. And so I store some of the stuff. I have a forklift, they don't. So I take all the deliveries. So it's, it's really been beneficial for both of us. I, I think at least he'd have to ask Jake how he feels, but we're still friends. <laughs> That's good. How did you, how'd you initiate that conversation with them? Did you, like, did you know him like prior contact or did you have a contact with him? Like, how did you hit him up to say, Hey, I'm, yeah. I'm looking to lease this new building and, and do this. Like, can I take some of your, your, your back inventory and throw it up there? Yeah, so to even back up even further, um, I had been doing holsters for years. And so mm-hmm. I had a lot of those relationships with holsters. And I was selling holsters in Dixie Gun and Fish. And so I gotcha. kind of went in to tell him, like, so I was in Rowdy's Range and Dixie Gun and Fish were my two main stores in town. And I went into both of them and said, hey, I'm opening this safe store. And basically, I'm your competitor now. Right. And I was like, I'm not really selling holsters there. I still want to use you guys to retail the holsters. Um, I am going to be building them there, but I'm not really going to have a storefront for holsters. And it was actually a great conversation with both of them. And did you just walk was, in, ask, ask for the owner yeah. and, and talk about it? Like what meaning when you did well, the holster thing, them. like, did you, oh, the holsters, right. Sorry. But even the holsters, when you started manufacturing holsters, did you just yeah. say, 
walk in and say, Hey man, I, I make holsters. Just curious if you guys would love to put them up in your store and, and whatever, like, is that how that conversation Basically. went or gotcha? <laughs> Basically, you dude, know, I, uh, when I, you got that when, pretty, when you got that pretty face and that, that luscious beard, dude, people just can't say no. Oh, to you, so. Come on, stop. Don't stop. Don't stop. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I went and pitched to Dixie gun and, or I went and pitched rowdies first and I didn't know anyone. Um, I knew a guy that kind of lined me up with the owners and they were in there every day. So it wasn't hard to get with the owners. They're still there every day. And, yeah. uh, I went in, talked to them, had no idea what I was doing, had no idea. Like, I mean, I'd ran a retail store before, but like a chain store. So I didn't deal with like all the particulars about everything. And they even had like verbiage I didn't understand. And, and I, but I was open with them. I'm like, look, look, man, I've never really done this before. I can help you guys out. I'm local. Um, and they had someone else that was, he controlled like the Western United States on holsters. I mean, he was from California, you know, Utah, Wyoming, Idaho, Nevada, everything. And he was local in St. George at the time. And so they kind of, you know, they heard me out, helped me out a little bit. I asked some questions. They were, you know, honest with me. And I left knowing that I had a real competition in St. George with this other guy. And, uh, so I just did, I kept grinding. Um, I went and put my cards everywhere. Uh, I was posting stuff all over social media I mean, I was doing everything I could. And one day I heard that this other holster maker had left town. Um, I don't know his whole story. I, uh, some family stuff. I'm not sure. So he ended up leaving town. Left, left town, right? I mean, I'm yeah. I, just the part of the story you don't want to say is that you ran him out of town, but I, no, I get no, no, it. No, you no. don't want to. <laughs> so he, he, I, I think there was some family stuff. I'm, not, I'm really not sure. I don't want to spread rumors about that, but oh, um, no. you're good. I'm just playing. <laughs> yeah. So then I went back into Dixie Gun and Fish, and I'm like, hey man, just heard some heard some stuff about that guy leaving. You know, if there's any way I can help you guys out, let me know. And they were like, well, we still have his his holsters here, but we don't have him here to do custom stuff. And I was like, I'm all over it. I can do anything you want, like 24 hour turnaround. Like I'm your guy, you know? And, <laughs> and at the time I was like, I would pick up a holster from someone in the morning, go home, make the holster. And then I would go meet them, you know, and we're doing this at like Albertson's parking lot, right? <laughs> like exchanging guns. I was <laughs> and... gonna say, it's gotta be pretty sketchy. <laughs> Especially when I maybe roll not up, in... they're like, Maybe not in Southern Utah that much. Maybe it's way more common that way, but <laughs> yeah. I mean, so you got to think about this. Like they're just seeing my card and they're calling my personal cell phone. And yeah. then I'm like, yeah, dude, I can do a holster for your tricked out 1911 or Glock 19, whatever it is, but I need your gun. And yeah. they're like, uh, okay. And then I'm like, I'll tell you what, I'll meet you in a gas station parking lot in 45 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> And I'm gonna take your gun from you, dude. It, it, Bring it the blew goods. me away. It blew me away that people would actually do it, right? Um, and and did I was. Did you ever have? Did you ever had anyone ask you for like, hey, any kind of collateral with this man? Like, I don't want you freaking no. like running off with my gun. Like, no. I mean, I had a couple guys that I like wrote a paper down and was like, you know, this is my phone number, this is my address, and and I would say like, I Derek Leg am in possession of this gun to make a holster, yeah. da, 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 right? Yeah, yeah. And Dude, that's awesome. And so, yeah, I, I was blown away. People would even do it, but yeah, so I would build the holster and then usually that night I would meet back up with them. So when I ended up kind oh, of getting in there, around time, that's cool. Yeah. When I got back into rowdies, it was really a, I used them as like a pickup drop off spot. And so like I immediately gained their credibility. Right. And so it was like, hey, yeah, I'm Derek. Yeah, we do these holsters. We actually work really close with Rowdies. If you'd like to go drop the gun off at their place, you know, I'll go pick it up, make the holster, and then take it back, and you can pick it up there. Um, oh, that's cool. Like legalities Plus it of brings that. More, it, yeah, I mean, we don't need to talk about that too much. There's probably <laughs> some there. But, I mean, just for the sake of being being resourceful, right? Like, it's cool because then you could also pitch it to the Rowdies owners where it's like, I'm trying to get foot traffic here as well, right? Like, you yeah. let me do that. I'm I'm bringing people to your store. Like, they get to, to obviously walk through your door, which, which is huge for them. So, Well, what was awesome with them is I was like, hey, man, I can throw you guys 10%, 15%, like trying to work that angle. And they were yeah. like, dude, you're good. You're good, man. 
Like, oh, that's cool. Just do your thing. And so, dude, they really helped me get holsters off the ground. And and so then after that, I ended up getting into Dixie Gun and Fish and so on. And then that's how I made those relationships and knew the owners. They're all local owners. Um, but yeah. Dude, it's, it's so cool. Yeah, man. I think one thing that's so cool about that is I think so often we're just so focused on like, what's our next move, what's our next step or, or how we want to go achieve X, Y, Z in the future. Right. And it's cool to see how all of these like little, like micro points in time or whatever affect the macro, right? Like all these little relationships that you've made were like with holsters and then you, you know, communicated with, with rowdies and, and Dixie and all this kind of stuff. And it didn't even work out. Like you weren't even able to get in there at first, but you like kept grinding, kept going. You still maintained good relationships, all that. And then all those things just like, you know, snowballed onto the safe store. Right. And then like that affected, you know, how you were able to leverage relationships to help out there. And it became this win-win situation. So I just think that's incredible, man. Like we have, there's so many, so many things and, and, I just think networking in general and having good like networking skills, like that just affects everything, man. Like you're, (laughs) I always say this, like you're just, you're not alone in it. Right. And like life would be so much cooler if you can go do things with, with people that you, you love and trust, you know? And I've said a lot recently, but kind of like the vision that I have for, for my life in, in the coming years is I don't want to just like, like I have, business ideas and ventures and stuff that I'm working on. I mean, this podcast is one of them that I've wanted to do for a long time and I'm grateful to get that, you know, rolling off the ground, but other like business ventures and ideas and stuff that I want to go do. I I just don't, it sounds so much more interesting and fun to me to like partner up in in ways with people that I, I, I love respect and trust. And like, they have the same passion and same purpose and same vision and values that I have to where we can go work on building this thing together. Um, any, any kind of last, last things you want to kind of give to, to the people listening, like any last piece of advice? Keep grinding. That's what we just try to move forward, try to move that needle forward. Absolutely, man. Um, let's, uh, let's kind of roll out and we'll, you cool if I ask you these three questions real quick and then we'll let you go hang out with, with your family. Yeah. See, I, uh, before we got on, I've, I've actually got my podcast in about 35 minutes. So there so, yeah, you go. Let's knock it Good out. timing, man. We're, we're ra- ra- rounding it out. So, all right, cool. Um, we'll kind of even rapid fire these a little bit, but first question for you is what's some advice that you might give to, uh, people who have a hard time getting started. Yeah, I think uh, for me, it's been I've had to get used to failure um, and understand that failure is not a bad thing. It's just a learning experience. And it's just one of it's like the Thomas Edison thing. It's one way of how not to make the light bulb. Um, that's the way I've had to look at it. And and again, my favorite thing to say to people is you got a pencil in those losses, man. Get ready for it. Um, so, yeah, get so used to failure and stop being so negative. <laughs> I love it. Positivity, man. That's great. Uh, second question for you is what about some advice for, uh, how to like stay motivated and keep going when things get hard? Yeah. Motivation is temporary. So people need to understand that first. Um, you can get motivated for the day or the hour, but it's, it's going to wear off sooner or later. And I've, I've been one to watch podcasts, listen to podcasts, listen to, I mean, Eric Thomas is a favorite on mine. Um, Ed Milet. Yeah, that dude's I've, a stud. Yeah, I've been with Ed Milet in person. I've been with Andy Frisella in person. Um, those guys are just emotion movers. And so motivation's great. I've had a lot of it in the last 10 years of trying to do all of this. And uh, but you got to understand it's temporary. At some point, you got to gain some grit. And uh, they've done a lot of studies on this. I won't get too long-winded on it, but they've come up with one of the biggest attributes to make people successful is gaining grit. And so figure out how to get some grit. You do that through failure. I love that. That's great. All right. Last one for you, man. Um, what's your next big goal and why? Um, you know, if you listen to a lot of Justin Prince, that's probably why I uh, referenced him earlier, but I think it's Admiral zero. I think that's our big goal. Um, 
I'm always trying to push the stress tolerance. Sometimes I fail at it. You know, sometimes I have little mental breakdowns, but you know, you get up the next day, you get refocused, you get ultra focused on what that goal is. And uh, with mine, it's adding another zero to the net worth. Heck yeah, dude. I love it. Well, I got no doubt that you're going to make it happen, man, sooner than you even think. So you're a stud. Um, we'll let you go hang out with your family, get ready for your podcast. Like I said, guys, make sure to check out the show notes, description, all that good stuff for links to Derek's podcast, his safe store. If you're in the market for a safe, hit him up. Um, he's just a top-notch dude, and, and I'm grateful to, to be one of his friends. Um, because yeah, he's just a, a great guy, great person. So thanks for coming on, man. I'll, uh, I'll let you get to your family and all that stuff. But yeah, man, uh, yeah. appreciate it again. Thanks for coming on, dude. No problem. Seriously, anytime you need someone, hit me up. Will do, man. We got a part two because we got so much more of you that, that we haven't <laughs> even dove into yet. We right? scraped so, the surface. We really did, man. So, all right, man. Thanks again. Okay. We'll talk to you later. See you guys.